Pam Ochoa, I have a question I've been wanting to ask for a little bit because I think you're going to have an interesting answer and I think it's going to drive today's podcast, at least to some degree. But my question for you is, when we say riding in writing workshop, when we say have students writing, when we say we have students writing, when we advocate for writing in the classroom, what is that? What is that? It's what so is hard. that? <laughs> I wasn't ready for the what is that part. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I want to. I want to go. I want to. Okay, I want to get deep in the weeds. Okay, what is what is writing in writing workshop? Well, I mean, it's it's writing for all different types of purposes, I guess. In in the classroom, it's writing every day. It's giving students choice in what they have to write. It's it's the the teacher providing opportunities, whether it's teacher-driven or student-driven, opportunities to do the work of writing. Uh, It's helping the students find audiences uh, for their writing so that they can find people to publish for. And and that, to me, is one of the hardest things sometimes because we have to move to the next topic. And so trying to help the students actually publish outside the classroom, I think sometimes it's really difficult. But if you could move there, which, you know, my friend, Linda Reef has done that really well. That's who I aspire to be one day. But um, that is writing in workshop. The it, it's, it's allowing students to have time to even abandon a piece of writing, which happened to me. Uh, we're turning in, well, during this last writing session, my students just turned in um, their final story, their final manuscript, if you will. Uh, we did our peer editing. We did our self-editing. We did our revision. We did all the process of writing. So that's writing in workshop is doing the process uh, all the way from helping them identify uh, something to write about uh, to drafting, redrafting. But this idea of abandoning, I I think that's an interesting concept as well because the student goes, Miss Ochoa, this isn't working for me. I I thought I would really like this piece. And he has like, it's one of my honors kids. So he's got, he's, he loves, he loves to write. But right in the middle of this, he's like, this isn't working for me. This is not my best. And I don't want to turn it in. I don't know what to do. And I said, well, let's just let go of it. But don't throw it away. Keep everything you've done on it. And is there anything else that you've already started that you think you might would want to work? And he apparently at home, he's one of those, um, he's, you know, GT kids or whatever. He's one of those that, you know how they have like a project that they don't tell anybody about. And he goes, well, I've been working on this. And he showed it to me and it was like, it was really good. And it was, it was a, it was a story, but it was his own story that he did outside. And he thought that he couldn't bring it into the classroom because he did it at home. But it was something he'd really rather work on. So on his own time at night, he was working on this. And he goes, can I like switch it? And I said, sure. It's okay to 
you know, why don't we do that one? And so anyway, that's the one he ended up turning in. I said, but uh, see if you can find all the stuff that, you know, like when you turn in your writing process, go ahead and turn in the one that you started in my classroom. So I can give you that credit for the writing process, but then see whatever you can find on this one and turn in all of the stuff for this one. So I can see your entire process because I'm going to grade them on their, their process as well as their final. So 60% of their grade is going to be process and 40% is going to be on the final. And I might even change that to 70, 30. I haven't, haven't made my mind up. I haven't started grading all of them yet, but, uh, but anyway, they just turned them in Friday, not Friday, uh, Thursday. But anyway, so I think writing in the classroom, writing in workshop is, is doing that, doing the work of writing, giving them opportunity to collaborate with each other. That's another thing that I think is very important that I like to use. Um, I love it. You know, I do my little poetry where they create an anthology and I always have them do a partner piece and it's fun to watch them collaborate with each other and try to figure out a piece that would work. Like, especially on poem for two voices works real well that way, where they actually create two voices and they blend their, their thoughts together to create one poem. It's really fun. So that's kind of a, a neat thing to see two individuals create something uh, together. So um, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but what is writing? Writing is uh, in the classroom is really an opportunity for the students to learn how to find their own ideas, express their own ideas, and send those ideas out to the public. It's interesting. I want to. I have some follow ups to that, but I'll go ahead and introduce the podcast before we oh, do okay. that. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Pamela Cho. I'm Jacob Chessain. We are two dedicated workshop educators down here in the state of Texas. Her in the classroom, me at the admin role. But we love it all and talk about it from every possible angle every single week. And this podcast is supported by people like you who subscribe and or support us over there on Patreon. When you support us on Patreon, you get bonus episodes no one else hears. You get bonus training, access to us more directly, and so many other things, including bonus videos and uh, bonus uh action items that we put up there. We put some resources and it's just going to keep building. So if you want to be a part of that, like our patrons are, you can go support us over there. Just like Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, Melissa, Destiny, Natalie, Susan, Tracy, Andrea, and Hannah do all ready. But if you don't have any money to throw away, that is okay. Subscribe to them. It's anything that supports us as well. And leave a review if you are extra inspired or you feel like this podcast is something that other people should listen to. Share it with your PLCs and PLNs all over the internet. Bring the workshop teachers to us. We are cultivating a nice little community of like-minded workshop educators who genuinely love what we do. So today... I don't know. We're, we're going to talk about writing today in a lot of different aspects. We have uh, uh, some some research out there that we kind of will we'll probably touch on here in a little bit from the NWEA. They put together a wonderful uh, writing for all stances uh, paper. We did one of these not too long ago back in August from NCTE. Um, so, you know, it's always nice to bring some of this research to you guys and, and talk about it and go through it. But I want to I want to stay on this writing topic for just a hot second and what writing is and why I ask this question. So more 
coming up. But ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Craft the Draft. All righty, Ochoa. Here's why I asked that question. I had a, okay. I had a, I had a devious other motive. Well, devious is probably the one I really <laughs> thought it was. The motive. <laughs> <laughs> no, not not fully devious, but I'm so teasing. we are. In my district, we are in an interesting state to where workshop exists at the elementary and middle school levels, and it exists in concept at the high school level. Um, but the high school educators really haven't been trained on it uh, to a large degree. So we're using the language of workshop, but it's not a lot of workshop education going on. Um, and it's, it's no one's fault. It's not even really bad. It's just a fact. And so when we were walking around doing our uh, English walks that we talked about last week when you asked me, um, I was walking with our department chair. And one of the things that she was bringing up is we were looking for elements of workshop as we were kind of walking around in, in classes. And we kept on mentioning that there was writing going on in some of these classes. And there was writing, but I, I looked at our, our district our, our head of curriculum, and I think she's incredibly intelligent. Um, she's she has a lot of great ideas. She's new to the district, so she's in that stage of you know acclimating herself, seeing the way things are going on. And I go, so when we say writing and writing workshop, I was like, what do we what are, what terms are we using? Because is it just because if if and I, I this was my example, if I ask a question and students write a response to it, is that writing workshop? If they read something and write a response to it, is that writing workshop? If they are writing notes, is that writing workshop? And so I had – the reason I had those questions is because just to me, just because students are writing, that doesn't necessarily mean writing in the sense of writing workshop. And I, I was like, I don't know if I've even – I don't even know if I've ever heard this conversation necessarily in in a in a larger context because I think some of the you know I, I definitely don't even make that well I, I guess I do I make that distinction and rightfully empowered um, because I talk about my, my whole opening monologue so to speak is all about how we write to respond um, to answer to assess but we rarely write to reflect and to create and that is kind of my push for writing workshop but that I, I was like is this just a chastain thing is this my own just bias or my own twist on writing workshop is writing can writing workshop just be responses to reading and that that's what so to go deeper into that question now that you have a, a more rounded perspective on it what do you think what are your thoughts what I'm, i know you have thoughts about this so if if they're writing only to respond or to their writing or only writing reading responses to independent reading is that writing workshop i think it depends on how you handle it because if you allow students to go back into that writing and make it better if you give them model text to kind of imitate and then you move them in new directions, um, then I would have to say it could be definitely a part of writing workshop. But if you're just giving them the question, 
and then they answer it real quick and they turn it in like you would a worksheet, then there's no work shop being done. There's no shop in that work. You know what I mean? There's no looking for a better way. There's no going back in. There's no uh, recursive. You're just getting an answer, a first draft all the time. So to me, writing workshop is when you actually have the students work to get new ideas and better ideas and they rearrange their writing and they figure out what works best and you have to give them that time to do it. And most of the time when we're giving them as teachers, if we're giving them an something to answer real quick, like a reading response question, we just say, okay, you got 10 minutes, get it all done, turn it in. All right. Then you go to the next thing and that's your warm up, and you're done. To me, that's not actually workshop. Now, if you have that 10 minutes, <clears throat> excuse me, and then uh, you move to your next thing, but then tomorrow, if you will, you say, okay, I looked at all your responses. Now I want you to look at your responses. Now let's evaluate our responses and let's see what we can do to make them better. Let's, let's talk to our table partners Let's talk to our community and see what they're doing, see what their thoughts are. And then you do that sharing thing that I like, you know, and then give some feedback to each other. Is this really, does it have a main idea? Does it have that evidence-based answer that we want from the text? Does it have uh, explanation as to why that answer is correct? Does it answer the question? Then I think if you're doing that, now you're putting that shop, if you will, into the work. So um, the kids are now helping each other, you know, to me, that would make it more workshoppy, if you will. What do you think about that answer? Am I close? <laughs> well, I don't, I, I'm not. Mr. Devious? <laughs> my, I'm not actually looking for a specific answer. Oh, okay, right? okay. okay I, good, it good, was just something better. I had thought about because in, mm-hmm. when I think of writing workshop, I think of kids Yes, there's some response and there's 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 various other tasks going on, but for the for the most part, I've I think I've just evolved to uh consider the writing workshop piece is that when you're when you're working on some type of writing for a period of time and going through the process, right? And it was just interesting because when you're working with uh yourself, your teammates, or other educators who are kind of going into that process, I feel like it's so – I feel like if you're if you're trying to get people to writing workshop or if you're trying to transition your team to writing workshop or a campus or a district, we have to be clear in terms. You and I have banged our head against the walls before in uh, – when we've worked with people because they'll it, – it, we'll, we'll have conversations around workshop. But what people are saying is workshop might be center's work, right? We've we've had that conversation a thousand times. Yeah. And it's just yeah. it's just interesting to me. And it's and I've always said even with that center's comment, it's not even centers are bad. It's a, but if we're talking about workshop, <laughs> it's the it's just the specifics of terms. And it was just fascinating because I was like, I mean, just because writing is present doesn't mean it's writing workshop. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's and to take it from a, a different perspective, um, 
looking at from the world language side, when we were doing that, one of the key concepts that we were doing on our world language walks was they were looking for kids using language with each other, not just doing right. vocabulary or any of that. And I thought that was really interesting because that to me is almost workshop in a world language class using mm-hmm. authentic creations, which is their natural speech and their language that they're learning in a variety of ways, using their lessons to guide their learning. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just think it's such a it, it's it's such a in the weeds conversation. And it almost seems uh, basic on its surface. But I think it's a valuable one for us to think about. It's what what types of writing are happening in our classrooms? Because we have I, I know we have curriculum and we have state demands and we have testing demands and all this other stuff. And that sometimes funnels writing into a specific way. But a lot of it is maybe even beyond that, maybe we really do only value certain types of writing of the others in in a school setting. You know what I mean? We mm-hmm. we value the analytical writing far more than the creative writing, especially in secondary, especially in secondary. Well, especially in high school. And, yeah. and the thing about high school, you almost uh, – I know our district has created uh, – I know we had two teachers for sure. I know I know at one of our campuses, used to be at both, probably is still at both, but I know one of them for sure, they actually offer a separate creative writing course as an elective. But you almost have to have that as an elective. And so uh, in order to do it, it's not a required course. But, I, you know, I taught at the high school for 15 years and uh, taught under – I mean, we still had the test and we still had things like that, the high stakes testing. Um, it's all changed over time. But um, but I still, even up there when I taught junior lit, one of the things I did to to, to make sure that I had a workshop type environment would be like if we were reading something, um, yeah, I might start with a quote and have them respond with, to the quote, and then we might have part of the reading and respond to the reading because your curriculum forces you to kind of respond. But then you have an opinion piece. Now you've put all this stuff together. Now you say, okay, what do you think? And then the kids, you don't give them, you don't actually give them a writing prompt per se. But then you work on that opinion piece, so it's almost like an op-ed, if you will. And so they're they're busy trying to, you know, I don't know, like on the Crucible, for example, if I, or uh, the Scarlet Letter, you know, or Great Gatsby, as you've you like Great Gatsby. But when you're looking at that, you might you look at the problem or the theme or the themes multiple themes that are going through the piece that are weaved through the piece. And then you say, okay, how does this apply to you? What is your opinion? So now I want you to write whatever you're thinking. So when you're doing that, I'm no longer guiding you in the sense that I'm telling you what you have to write. I'm giving you an opportunity to express yourself. Now from that piece, let's all work on it. Let's see what we can do. If you end up writing a poem out of it, if you end up writing this out of it, you know, whatever you want to do, this is where you have freedom. So we have those moments where they have to answer, you know, because you have to do that. And then in that opinion piece, I think there there needs to be time for that. And I think it's up to the teacher to ensure that that occurs. 
because that's that's where the buy-in is, don't you think? I mean, that's when the kids go, man, I really like this class. I'm getting to talk about things I don't ever get to talk about, you know, and they might be talking about it in their writing, but then you have the sharing piece where you put them at the table with three, four, five other people, and then they all share their pieces and they give some sort of feedback. And the, the feedback can be guided where you give them a set of questions that they have to work through to help them learn how to do feedback at the beginning. And then you release them more and more where they have an open, more feedback, the better they get. <clears throat> especially at the high school level because they're more, you know, their ideas are, are, you know, more mature. Well, and it's so funny because there are one thing that our teachers do really well at, and this is why I'm so excited about our conversations we're having around workshop, because I feel like the, as we just get, they're already doing so many things extremely well, that once the the workshop conversation happens, it's just going to enhance what they do, right? It's just honestly, because I feel like what mm-hmm. a lot of them have this natural inclination to these to certain things, but they feel restricted because of some of the parts of the curriculum that are a little outdated that are in the process of changing. Um, and then just kind of the holdovers just from what high school demands and everything else. Right. Uh, but the one thing that I've noticed, like in almost every single English classroom I walk into when these kids are writing, even if, you know, a lot of them are working on different levels of essays, personal narratives, stuff like that. They have a lot of this time to really like go in and write. And these teachers are so good at like building this, uh, the, 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 the the community of kind of safety and kids, you know, they're sharing with each other, they're writing with each other. You can tell there's this level of safety. They really have a lot of choice in kind of how they approach certain things. And so um, it's really been fascinating to kind of see uh, just just how much greatness in writing that's happening. It was just just in the, the bigger conversation of directing in terms of cr- helping bring workshop to a bigger a bigger scope, right? And mm-hmm. it's just it's just an interesting thing. But you know, I want to pivot real quick because this NWEA stances piece. We're gonna put a link to this in the post for people who want to kind of dive into this. We're not gonna cover the whole thing. We're not gonna do a two episode thing on here. But there's some interesting little nuggets in here. But the the first part of the introduction answers at least in their perspective, what they think writing is. So I'm going to read it real quick. It says, writing is a powerful form of human communication that holds past knowledge, generates and spreads new knowledge, and makes possible future knowledge. Writing enables action. It has inspired social movements, scientific exploration, and cultural renaissances. It also opens doors to personal opportunities. While writing is connected to educational career and civic opportunities, high-quality writing instruction and support have not been available to all students. To advance our mission of partnering to help all kids learn and to dismantle persistent inequities, NWEA must contribute to enacting systematic change in writing instruction and assessment through meaningful, collaborative, and innovative methods across our product services and advocacy. So it talks about what they want to do and why this goes into it. But this idea that they're, they're claiming that kids haven't had access to high quality writing instruction. I think that's why a lot of this is so important because when you have, when you create a classroom environment that is built around student agency 
and giving them really the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, and 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 giving them access to literacy. And I feel like we have a drive to give them access to literacy through books and literature, but we so often overlook that writing side. I think that's why you and I talk about the writing side so much, is mm-hmm. because we've we see that there's a unique opportunity for a higher level of focus. And I think some of the frustrations in literacy is due to the just ignoring of of writing instruction. You know, there's going to be a podcast that comes out on Teach Me Teacher uh, with with Maya Daughtery. She is incredible. She's a part of NWA. She was a part of the people who uh, put this these stances together. Uh, that'll come out a little bit later for people that listen to both podcasts. Um, but in it, she talks about uh, – we talked about a lot, but essentially we were talking about how policy um, is at least – in large part due to uh, – it's caused uh, in large part the the focus on reading and math, right? No Child Left Behind did that. Race to the Top under Obama did that. Um, And so we've been in this world for a long time to where writing has always been kind of secondary but i think we're we're seeing the shift again i think we're people are realizing that writing literally is the other side of this literacy piece and writing mm-hmm. in in multi modes and and multi genre and writing across content areas and being blended in a lot of this and i think that's why that interesting conversation of you know english classes especially in the secondary we tend to lean towards response and literary analysis but – and I, I think some of that contributes to the disengagement from kids in writing, whether that's elementary, middle, or high school, is when we make writing something that we do as an academic task only rather than something that we use to communicate in a variety of forms across the content areas because kids are writing all the time. They're writing text messages. They're writing mm-hmm. – older kids are writing emails. They're writing social media posts. They're writing captions for their TikTok videos and Snapchat stuff. They're they're doing all kinds of stuff, and they're doing writing in multi-modes for tons of different audiences. But then they struggle to become engaged in writing in schools. And I think to some degree that is on us, meaning the collective us of education, not – modernizing our approach to what writing can look like. And if not modernizing, then just restricting it to very specific forms of writing only. And that's a, I think that's an interesting task that just goes beyond even, you know, what you could do in your classroom. This is like a a global shift, so to speak. But I think it's, I think it's interesting. Um, I want, I want to read these stances and then we can kind of take these real quick. Okay. Um, or let's take it one by one. I mean, the, the first stance, I mean, is is exactly what uh, – I mean, the first stance alone is what Rightfully Empowered is. That I wrote a whole book on stance one essentially, which was writing empowers writers use their voices. As a form of cultural capital, writing is a matter of justice and equity, is a critical tool for participation in society, presenting the writer with multiple way, pathways to opportunity, engagement, discovery, expression, influence, agency, and – advocacy. It's all of those things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that right there, I think, is why that, – that first key piece, I think, is where I love talking so much because, I mean, if you can get kids to 
even care about why we ride at all, you've increased the likelihood of their success in so many other domains. It's the same thing as opening up their ability to understand complex text. If you can get them to do that and draw connections the same and, and do the same thing in writing to where you can get them to understand the how and the why and the what of what to do in writing, then we've, we've just increased the likelihood of them being successful tenfold, if not more. Well, yeah, I agree. And it, it starts, it, it even starts with, and of course I'm a big com- component of uh, the belief that students have to discover their own ideas. And we as teachers have to create different ways for them to enter those ideas. And, and Abydos to find is them. great at that, by the way. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that's, because one of the hardest things, as we've said more than once, is to stare at that blank page and not have any ideas. But you know, there's more places in the world where you have to show your ideas. I mean, if you're sitting there and you've got to solve a problem, let's say you're just an advertiser, you know, that's what that's what your job is. Well, think about all the idea finding you've got to find, you know, you've got to pull and you got to know the pulse of the people who's going to share that product so that they can, you know, enjoy it. You're looking at an engineer who's got to look at something and figure out how it works. And then come up with an idea to make it work better. So this whole this whole thought of being able to, from, if you will, the thin air, pull out an idea is, I think, a huge component to um, being able to, to learn and to think and to grow. And so one of the things that, that, I do throughout the year is I give them, as a matter of fact, this next week, um, we're going to do my idea finding chart because we're about to start moving into, we're, from our curriculum, we're supposed to work into nonfiction, uh, informational text. Well, they don't, if I, I can choose the topic for them, but I'm not going to get the buy-in. So I need to help them find ideas of their own that they can research and come up with information about. And so, um, so we'll be doing that this next, this next week. Uh, but I was reading here as well. Um, well, let me go back. I'm so sorry. Uh, but anyway, that your idea of empowering, that's where I was going with that thought. Um, that's empowerment when you can actually create ideas from nowhere. Something for Nothing is a book I used to read to the students. I need to get that book. That's such a good one. But it's just where they make something from nothing, it looks like. But they're creating new ideas all the time. And uh, being able to do something with that idea is your next step. And I think that's that's the type of logic and reasoning that writing provides for students. And it helps them solve problems. It gives them a problem, number one. And you have problems all the way through the writing process, just like that student I was telling you about. He got through it. He, he's, he's going through the motions because he's doing what he thinks I want, only to discover it's not what he wants. And when he realizes that what he wants is important to me, um, you don't think I don't have buy-in now, right, you know, with him. And so um, that is, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the students came by last year. She was wanting to be a marine biologist, and I allowed her to research all that and do all this. Okay, she came up to me, um, I guess it was last week. You know, and, and it, I, I found myself in the eighth grade hallway 
And they were all like, Miss Ochoa, you know, it was almost like Mr. Chastain was in the room, but it was Ochoa. But anyway, just saying, there is some there. But this, yeah, just for a little few. But anyway, uh, this little girl comes up to me and she says, Miss Ochoa, I'm no longer going to be a marine biologist. I've decided I want to write. That's what I want to do. I want to be a writer. And I'm like, first of all, she knows I care about writing in my classroom or she would have never told me that, mm. right? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have mattered to her. But because I allowed her to research and do the things that she wanted to do, like her, all of her writing was about what she wanted. She, want, she researched marine biology. That was her informational topic last year. And, and she likes that topic, but somehow she's discovered that writing about things exceeds her desire to do that. But... I think brain biologist is pretty cool. But it's just kind of neat that she changed her way of thinking. And that's because writing is empowering. It empowers these kids to be able to look at the world beyond their their little moment. It does. And it I you know, it's the I well, honestly I think the the best thing that happens in writing is it it allows students to put down it allows them to to take what they think and, and process because as you write mm-hmm. it's, it starts solidifying your ideas right <clears throat> mm-hmm. it's it's the it's the craziest part of writing to me um it's also the most useful it's also the most challenging because every time i've sat down even if it like you know if i'm trying to make a a lengthy post on social media or write something longer. I've done a few articles, uh, you know, just getting in there and, and putting your ideas down on pay on the page is, is an act of self discovery, self actualization. It's, 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 it's a complex task and it's something that is, it's, it's scalable. If you get kids to really engage in putting their thoughts down and getting used to the satisfaction of it, um, like I said, you're you're setting them up for so much success. One of my favorite quotes, and I always forget who it's from, but it's uh it's someone that Kelly Gallagher quotes, but it's maybe it's uh maybe it's Tom Newkirk, maybe someone else. But it says the quote is uh, you know, I I hate writing, but I love to have written. And so, you know, it's just the idea that writing is incredibly difficult and it's hard and and it's frustration and it's frustrating, but it is, it's simply that once you, you know, you have your thoughts down on there and once you get used to doing it and you get better at doing it, um, it is something that is just empowering, which, you know, to get to the second stance on writing from this, this uh, piece of research, you know, it says writing communicates writers collaborate. They say writing enables ideas to be communicated to audiences across space and time with meaningful implications for society. And, you know, this, I I use this example on the, the teach me teacher episode I recorded today, but one of the most interesting things, I love reading history. It's so fascinating to me. I love that. I think that's why I love fantasy because it feels old world. You know, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of depth to it. I just, I love getting like nuggets of history, but I don't like, I like kind of like the off the beaten path stuff. And I remember one time I found, I don't even know what rabbit hole I ended up down, but somehow I found like a, it was like a manifestation document or something or like a, 
like what they would take, like if you're traveling on a ship, like just to know like who's arriving somewhere, right? Whatever those are called. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was like a Jamestown one and it had a list. It was like all of these people, you know, written down about who they are and a little bit about them. And it was so funny because there was examples of like, you know, like Jane Smith owes three chickens to so-and-so. Right. And it was, it was Mm -hmm. so funny because it was, I mean, this was like in the 1600s, this piece of paper, you know, they couldn't have ever imagined that, you know, space aged people would be sharing this via, you know, this (laughs) mystical internet where we all communicate through and they couldn't even imagine that, but it survived. And the writings of, you know, the ancient Egyptians and the ancient writings in found in religions, you know what I mean? Like there's Mm -hmm. it, it communication and writing is, is, is really at the, the core of, of what we do and to, to make writing to, to remove all of that context just for the sake of classroom activities. I feel like, I think that's why it, a lot of kids just disengaged from it, but the moment you just tweak it a little bit, right? We know we can't, Mm -hmm. you know, we can't, we can't do what we're not set up to do. We can't do what policy doesn't allow us to do, but just tweaking it and opening up a little bit, all of a sudden it's like you're awakening this dormant curiosity to, to put your words on the page and be creative and, and do all these different things in kids. And they literally, I mean, you've seen this. It's just, there's a change in a student when they start learning to trust their own voice and words. And it's, it's hard to argue that there's anything more important that you could do uh, on a campus or in a classroom, but it's also equally hard when, when kids have such bad experiences, either academically, um, they've, they've been set up by society, their home life, previous teachers, previous schools, whatever, that by the time they get to you, they have so much baggage that it's almost an act of, uh, you know, divine intervention for you to even break through to show them this. And I, I think that's kind of where, you know, the, the theme of the last several episodes of you, you know, you inherited a bunch of kids who have just had really bad experiences the last few years and not necessarily mm-hmm. just because of teachers, but just their life circumstances. COVID. Yeah, yeah. COVID and everything, everything else. else. And mm-hmm. so you're, you're in that spot where you're, you're, you're like, guys, come with me. I have something really cool to show you. And they're just being, it's like they have blue whales attached to their ankles and they're like, <laughs> I'm coming, but they're not making it anywhere. But they keep hitting waves. Yeah. <laughs> And that's a, that's an interesting, and I think that's where a lot of people are though, is it's, mm-hmm. it's sometimes the challenges we face are extreme and they're difficult and it's hard to even, you know, it's easy to talk about all oh, the wonders of writing and, and empowering students and letting their voices be heard. But it's another thing to look at, you know, a class of 30 or all 150 of your students or 80 of your students and go. Ah, crap. You know, like, what am I going right. to do here? I mean. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, but you know, the, uh, the other day, like just doing that writing and, and of course we write, I wouldn't say we, we try to write every day in some way. Um, but Tuesdays and Thursdays, as I shared, cause I don't want to, you know, I shared this last 
last podcast, and that was due to the needs of these students and due the due to the fact that I want to make sure I get through my entire le- you know that they were at least right every week. And I think at the high school level, they're they're at that point. Maybe even um, I think I think elementary they could write every day, uh, just because of the way they're at least in our in our area. You know, they they have language arts, and that's a pretty good block. And so of time, so I think that they could do it. But but anyway, every Tuesday and Thursday, uh, my students write, and it's it's almost always about whatever it is that they're working on. So that's how they kind of start. I actually start that way a little bit. I might prompt them and let them write, and then I do like that mini lesson, and then we come back to it. But then, like on this Friday, they're going to be able to choose whatever they want. It'll be a true workshop on Friday where um, during that work time, they can choose their read- whatever they're working on for reading or whatever they're working on for writing. And they get to choose. And I don't, it, it'll, it'll look almost like your, your workshop where they're either reading or writing, you know. But to make sure I get everything in, um, I've chosen this particular routine. But anyway, um, just this this last week or so, it might have been a week ago, uh, not last week, but this girl, she struggles. And uh, all of a sudden, she's like, I gave them that time to write. And I think it was the first time she really had an idea that showed up in her head. And then she just went off on it. You know what I mean? And so this is a girl that struggles in school. And she goes, Miss Ochoa, Miss Ochoa. You know, so I come over there and she goes, look at how much it is. And it's like a little over half a page. And for her, that is huge. Because she's usually just writing her three sentences because she's learned that maybe that three sentences make a paragraph. But anyway, all of a sudden she just, and she was still going. She goes, can we, can we go a little bit longer? Cause look, you know, and so I did, I extended the the time just a little bit just to give her a little more time. And so I'm hoping that she'll pull that piece this next Friday to kind of really work through it even more, but, uh, but they can work on whatever piece they want on those Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then they read whatever they want on Mondays and Wednesdays. And then that's kind of how I'm doing it. And then Fridays is uh, kind of a blend, whichever, whatever they need to work on. That's what they choose during their work time. It's, but, it, hey, I, I love it all. I, I love the, the mm-hmm. constant tweaking of stuff. Um, here, let's do, there, there's three more. Let's see what we got here. So it has, going back to the, the, the statements, it says writing, there was number three, writing is both a product and a process. Ooh, sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Writer, writers use writing to think more deeply and more critically about ideas. This is what we were just talking about, right? It's the, they say writing, writers engage in complex, recursive, and goal-driven problem-solving processes when they write. This results in written products, but the process itself is just as valuable as the product. And this is, this is you and I, like that right there. Is when, I mean, there's, especially in our early episodes when we were talking about this, we were talking about rigor and what that means. And if you're, if you are letting kids write, even, you know, even if it's, if it's only reading response writing, right, you are just by doing that and having that freedom, you are raising the rigor and engaging so many more aspects of who they are. This is also why kids shut down on it, right? This is why adults shut down. We've seen this in trainings. We get, we want people to ride and they start feeling self-conscious and all these mm-hmm. other things. There's, there's all kinds of things that happen because it's a complex process. And I think that's, 
it's always good to put out there, but it's also like that number three to me is, is why we do this as educators. Will every kid that leaves our writing workshops go off and become writers? No. Well, the same way, not every kid that goes through our classes will go through and and read every classic there is or become a literary, a literature major or an English teacher, any of that stuff. We have to keep in count. We have to take into account the, 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 the diverse people that are coming through our classrooms. However, every single person, regardless of background or what they want to do with their lives, needs to be able to engage in the complex process of problem solving through writing. It is... It's why sports are valuable to young people at the same rate. You know what I mean? It's almost Mm – or or music. It's the same concept of you may not be a famous musician one day. You may not be a professional sports star or anything like that. But doing those things, being active in something that requires your full attention to be at least somewhat competent at, those things grow you as a human being. And it's – and this is when we talk about like – raising the bar in classrooms, right? And, and stop doing just fill in the blank stuff or call or just simple yes or no responses or identify questions, right? It's that same idea, like even removing workshop from this, the way you, to reach those higher levels of, of teaching, it's the concept of how do I put more of the cognitive lift onto the students? Where, where am I engaging their thought processes and what can I do to set them up just enough to where I can step back and let them do the actual work of thinking, right? That is mm-hmm. – I mean this is I, – I, I've heard you give that speech a bajillion times when you were an <laughs> academic coach in various trainings because it's a hard thing to do because we – and especially mm-hmm. in English, we always feel like we have to put training wheels on, right? Especially if you have a difficult class, you feel like you have to overly scaffold for everyone and sometimes – that is needed, but a lot of the times it's it's really the it it almost makes our jobs harder because kids become disengaged because they're not being challenged, they don't grow because they're not being they're not being asked to grow. They're not using they're not tearing their muscles to grow new muscles. <laughs> well, that is true. That is true. One of the things that uh, and I might pull it in here. Uh, that I got, you know, because you sent me that just, I, I saw it like just before we got on. But I was scanning, and um, and I don't know if this fits under the one that you just mentioned. So this is further down in your article. But it says, create a supportive and motivating writing environment. Mm-hmm. And it says, a supportive writing community is essential for fostering writing skills and using writing to deepen learning. And that's where... That's why I thought this might be a good place because you just mentioned that. One meta-analysis showed that writing impacted students' learning of content only if it took place within a classroom that valued writing. And I found that that uh, important. It says, to achieve a supportive and motivating environment, writers must feel that they are safe to show vulnerability when writing, which we have preached that quite often, when sharing their writing with others, there's that collaboration, and when providing feedback to peers. And so that supports my little sharing thing. I'm okay with that. I'm liking your article you sent me. But teachers can help to create this environment by exhibiting their own vulnerability as writers and modeling the 
iterative nature of the writing process. Teachers should write in front of students, modeling elements Mm. like planning, drafting, reviewing, soliciting, Mm. feedback, (laughs) revising, and editing. This modeling serves as both explicit instruction in writing and cultivation of a classroom community of writers, which is why I need a document camera right there is where I do my writing and I don't have a document camera and, and people, you know, so here I am. Y'all just found my little, my little, uh, whatever critique of my year. (laughs) I need a document camera, but our technology no longer provides them for us. So it has been kind of a, a chore. You know, you should reach out to some key people, and you know who they are, and say, this is why we need these. And I bet it'll get done. I bet yeah. you could make it happen. I bet I need to do that. So, but, I mean, I, I kept thinking they were going to get us one, but it hasn't happened yet. So, yes, I am going to have to do that. But the thing is, is that's why that document camera, it, this is just, <laughs> this is my argument. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that into me. That's my argument. But I do. That's what I like to do. I write for the kids. We solve problems together. One of my favorite activities that I do with the students is I, especially when we're doing the test prep right before, because, um, you know, I don't, I don't teach the test, so to speak. I teach them how to write. But then when we get closer to the test, I want them to feel comfortable about going in and getting a prompt. So there is a point in time that I teach them how to write to a prompt. But one way I do it is I show them the different prompts, and then I have them imitate or create their own prompt, and they do something to try to stump the teacher. And they I put them in pairs, so they get in writing groups, and they have to create a prompt together. So there's that collaboration, and they're trying to create a prompt that's going to uh, so what they do first is they all um, write something that they think, and then they bring it to their table, and then they all decide on one, and they write one that's even better that they think's going to stump the teacher. So we get them down, and so then they each have um, – they, they go out to each of the communities – uh, like the four tables, and they have to convince that table that their writing piece is going to stump the teacher. And so they finally get one that they think is going to stump me. Okay. And I try, I'm like, oh, don't let me know. Don't let me know what you're doing. You know, that kind of thing. And they eat that up. And then they present the prompt. And I, in front of them, have to answer their prompt. And that was probably, that has been probably one of the most fun things that I do. And that's me trying to answer their prompt. And they're trying to stump me to get me a prompt. So difficult. <laughs> I can't answer it. <laughs> it's so, it's fun, you know, but, but, uh, so anyway, I'm over there trying to write and they're, and they're wanting to say, you know, cause if, especially if, if it's a, if it's a class, it's really, you know, taken to heart everything I said. And it's so fun because they're sitting there, they're like, like, you got to have a hook. You have to. And I'm like, y'all can't help me. I'm on my own here. Remember, this is my test. You can't help me. And they're like, but you need a hook. And I'm like, well, I know I need a hook. I'm trying to think of one and I can't think of one right now. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to, you know, and I'm thinking out loud and they're all like, but what if you do? And I'm like, you can't help me. (laughs) But they're all wanting to give me 
answers. I'm like, y'all are, st- you know, you can't help me. I got to do this on my own. But that's a good idea there, Charlie. Good idea. I might, uh, you know, like that, you know, I'll do stuff like that. But but he can't help me anymore, Charlie. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You know, so I, I've had that work really well several times. And, uh, but it's fun. It's just stump the teacher. See if they can create a prompt that stumps the teacher. Yeah. And it's just kind of a fun way before they have to get into the the writing this last year we didn't have a writing test so i didn't do that and uh and i'm glad we had this talk because i think i'm definitely gonna gonna do that and we could do that even with these um you know because they're they changed our test uh here in texas and so we don't really know what it's going to be like but maybe maybe i can do that same thing with the short you know like we all read a passage and then they try to create a question that can stump me, see yeah. if I can answer it, and then use the devices. But anyway, so but that's but that's that writing in front of them and putting yourself and making yourself vulnerable, and then accepting. I mean, you know, like you've taught enough now; they've done their own stuff, and now they're like giving me ideas. You know, I think that's where you want to be. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's it was it's it's a lot of fun, and everybody was engaged and. um you know, it was neat. Yeah. The experience. That's what, I mean, and that's what it can be. I mean, writing is, writing's fun. Writing's, uh, writing so many things, right? It, it, it mm-hmm. is, it's, it's the, it's, it's as diverse as the people that are doing the writing, which is why, you know, just getting kids comfortable with putting words on the page. It is, it, I mean, it's life changing. It really is. I still have, I had a, <laughs> a student who's an eighth grader at your campus sent me a piece that they wrote this weekend. Um, oh, really? Yeah, for one of my previous classes. And it's awesome. It was incredible, which, you know, it's probably to our, our partner's credit who, uh, is working with him now. But, um, you know, I, I still get sent pieces. You know, kids are still writing. I have some that are even starting to put their stuff out on social media via, you know, Instagram or something like that, like on their own, mm-hmm. trying to just and mm-hmm. in going into that. And I was like, I mean, that is a huge step. Like when you start sharing writing for the public in any form, um, it's it's scary because it, it's mm-hmm. you know, and there's nothing more satisfying to me than when I write something, even if it's something small like a tweet or a long post on Facebook or a, an article that gets posted somewhere. Those give me some of the most satisfying moments, but it's also incredibly terrifying because it is it, it's people, everyone, because we do it when we read. We read, especially in this in this genre, right? I'm you know, mostly talking about educational stuff, so you know when when teachers read things or researchers read things, you know every, every sentence is criticized, right? And not right. always in a bad way, but that's how we read things. It's <laughs> it's we're analyzing, and so it's interesting. It's you know you get sharpened, and it, it's it's a, it's a nice. Efforts and I, I love going back and seeing you know because I've been posting you know about education for so many years that it's fun to go back and see how far I've come and how I can communicate ideas and um, how I've just evolved in my thinking and I think that's why I love podcasting so much because you know even on this podcast it's been going small or it's been going for less. A length of time, but Teach Me Teachers almost been going for seven years. I and mean, you go back to some of those early podcasts, I definitely have ideas that have changed since then. 
Um, Mm -hmm. not all of them, but I have a lot that have, and they continue to evolve. And it's just, it's fascinating. I think that's why the writing journal is so important. And our, the having kids have draft books is because when at the end of the year, when, when kids go back and look at their volume of work, um, it's, it's, they see how much they change. They see it as clear data in their own lives. And it's not a, Mm -hmm. it's not data that you can necessarily chart on, you know, an Excel spreadsheet or really upload easily to aware or anything like that, but it's data that is useful nonetheless. And I think we have to have, we have to push for better conversations with our admin and district officials and even our teams to be like, what is all, what data do we have of kids growing as, as writers? And that's one thing that I really took away from uh, <clears throat> uh, Maya that I talked to from the NWEA is she talks about how writing research, the reason why it's so difficult is because it is so much more difficult to judge to assess writing than it is reading because you can assess comprehension pretty well. You can assess mm-hmm. those aspects of reading pretty well. This is why we have the, the basal screeners. We have all of those right now. Not all of them are perfect, but there's a lot more resources for that. You can't really assess what good writing is because good writing is subjective. Now we could say, well, good writing is grammatically correct writing. I'm like, I mean, is is that the standard? What is good writing? And so there's so it it's it's such a more nuanced act. And so the research on it is very vague. And that's why Donald Graves, uh, his the book that is out. Hang on, I have to pull this up. I, I feel like I reference one of his books every single podcast at this point. Um, he has a book. That it's called Children Want to Write, and I highly recommend it to anyone. It's it's incredible. It's it's mostly not him. It's it's the audiobook is amazing because there's parts of the book that are narrated by like Penny Kittle, uh, Thomas Newkirk, and and a bunch of other people. And there's there's a part early in the book where they talk about how Graves and Lucy Calkins, I suppose by extension, um, they've they've been criticized because their research isn't uh, – you could poke holes in the research because it's not as – uh, clean scientifically as as a lot of people would like, right? The, he faced criticisms about that, um, but the essence of it is is it's hard to control for you can't control for quality writing because there is no control of quality writing, right? It's like we mm-hmm. we have there's a reason that The Great Gatsby was not accepted for the the book that it was until far later, right? There, there's mm-hmm. There's people for every amazing book that is written, for every great piece of literature, there are hundreds of critics that tell you why it's not. You know what I mean? And so you – there is no objective, this is great writing. This is what writing should be. So that leaves us as educators to go – well, <laughs> how do you grow someone in writing? And that's when we talk about, is this writing effective, right? Is what you're saying effective? Is you, As the young writer, when you're sitting with the student and you look at them, it's, is what you're doing what you intend to do? I'm the reader. This is what I get out of it. Is that what you intend? Um, 
sometimes, and that's this is we face this. I face this on social media all the time. I'll say something that I intend one way and just take it a different way, right? And that's a real right. world context. But I think that's such a really interesting conversation. But in in the terms of research, in terms of a focus on data, we're in such a data driven uh, world of education. That becomes increasingly difficult for teachers like us and the people that listen to this podcast because what we're driving for isn't necessarily tracked by traditional data means, but that doesn't mean that there isn't data. We just have to have the conversation of what qualifies as data for what we need. And I think the draft book and the craft book really are perfect examples of how to track data in a way that might not be traditional, but they're incredibly effective if used correctly. Oh, well, yeah. And, you know, I think I, sh- I shared in your answer at the beginning, and that was the fact that my students just now turned in their writing process. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at the volume, some of the kids are like, but Miss Ocho, do you know how many pictures that's going to be? You know, like, <laughs> like, that's a great yes. response. Yeah. And I'm like, yes. And then you're going to turn in all of them. I have to take a picture of everything. And I said, I want every little bitty thing that you've done because I'm going to give you credit for doing all of that work. And, you know, in, and to me, when their final product really isn't as long as, but, you know, these students are struggling, the ones that I have and some of them. And, um, but just to see that all they had at the beginning was a word, you know, that first day, that's all they had. And then it turned into like, you know, a few more words, you know, that, and you can see where they had the, the feedback and, and all of that. And I mean, um, just watching them, just even the little bit of growth on some of them is is pretty amazing because like that, I just told you about that one girl. She's just like, look what I've done, you know? Well, what that tells me, the mere fact that she's excited about what a teacher might consider not very much work, and yet she's excited and she's been working on it, right? And she struggles. She's, she's you know, this particular student has to have another teacher in there. So this is somebody who struggles. but. To show that to me, and she's proud of what she's done, tells me she's never done it before, right? I mean, she's never done it before. She's probably, she, I don't know what she's done in the past, but for her to actually work through a process and get to where she got, I mean, that's why I'm giving them that process grade. I want them to see the importance of, I care about the work they put into it just as much as I care about the product, the end product. And I think... I think that is where students begin to appreciate the workshop teacher. Does that make sense? And that's that environment that 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 uh, little article, that not little article, but the that little section uh, that I just read, I think comes in. And um, and I think that's why, you know, like right now, I was telling you that you know I'm struggling a little bit with um, like last week. You know, my scores are not coming in as high as, as I would like, but what's going to happen, I believe, and what happens typically with me is we start, they start seeing how much work they're doing and they start buying into it. And then it just kind of spirals, you know? And so my goal is to get them starting to move, you know, it seems slow at first, but then, but I'm teaching them a lot of stuff that I don't think they really realize that I'm teaching them. And, it, and it's all about the process. So it starts out slow, but it, it usually ends up good. And I'm hoping that's going to go on this, this, this year. And that's what we hit too, right? We talk about 
the, mm-hmm. the reason why workshop can be scary is because it's a process. It right. takes time. It takes time. But ladies and gentlemen, we're over an hour today. We hit it. There is more there. Shout out to, to Maya Daughtery. She's incredible. That podcast is going to come out soon for Teach Me Teacher. This will be out before that one. But go check out their position statements called Writing for All, N-W-E-A, Stances on Writing. It is amazing. There's tons of research. We talk all the time about reading the research, staying current. You know, if you're a department chair, or if you have influence in your group, say, hey, let's look at this. Let's look at this as a team, pull it through. I think it's absolutely stunning. I think it's an, it's an amazing piece of, of, uh, of advocacy for the work that we talk about. It verifies the work that we talk about, and I think it also pushes our thinking just a little bit, especially with some of the research in there. So go check that out. Shout out to them as well. But ladies and gentlemen, this has been Craft and Draft. That's Pamela Trump, Jacob Chastain. Subscribe so you don't miss anything else. We release podcasts every single Friday. So if you're new here, welcome. You'll have another episode next week. If you want bonus episodes, more content, more training, videos, and access to how we do craft and draft on a very specific level to where we show true examples of what that looks like in uh, over an hour and a half training video that we have as long as some other stuff and future training go support us on patreon we try to make it worth your while and we just keep adding value to it every single month so go do that just like our other patrons do and hopefully that you can join us and we can join in union and help you if you have a question send it our way we will answer it as soon as we can we love to answer them on the podcast but that's it for today hopefully all is well we'll see you next week and know that we are here for you